You're listening to the Skylight Books Podcast. We're an independent, general interest bookstore putting great reads in the hands of people in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles. Hosted by resident Skylighters, we're here to bring you new and exciting author conversations, group reads, and bookseller chats. Happy listening. Hello, lovely listeners, and welcome back to the Skylight Books Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie, and today we're so excited to welcome Brenda Lozano to talk about her new novel, Witches. Brenda Lozano is a fiction writer, essayist, and editor. Her books include All or Nothing, Loop, and a book of short stories, How Stones Think. In 2015, she was selected by Conaculta, the Hay Festival, and the British Council as one of Mexico's best fiction writers under 40. In 2017, she was added to the Bogota 39 list, a selection of the best fiction writers under 40 from across Latin America, which is, is her most recent novel. Thank you so much for being here, Brenda. Thank you, Nat. I'm super excited, grateful, excited, <laughs> happy, everything <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you uh, about this book. It was so lovely and I enjoyed it so much. I read it so fast and then realized that it was something I was going to kind of think about and return to and like keep coming back to and start conversations with people about. Um, so I'm going to read a few different like passages as we chat, but do you want to give our listeners a little uh, background as about what the story is and kind of set the scene for us? Well, wow. I feel like I have <laughs> Pack like <laughs> because I yes. am very excited right now. <laughs> I feel that, like I have to pack everything like in a very short tweet, you know. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, thank you for for being here with us and thank you for your invitation. That I'm very excited and grateful about it. So, well, when I was before I started the book, well, even before it was a book and a manuscript, I was. I was questioning many, many things. And especially I was very interested in answering through fiction, uh, the idea of, of a powerful woman, like what is power today? And, and yeah, that question like brought me to many, many uh, different conclusions that of course brought more questions. And <laughs> it is a very, uh, yeah, it, I think it's very important to, to rethink what many things are today, uh, especially power and how, I mean, I was very interested in power, but not from a capitalistic point of view or from capitalism, but what is real power? N nothing to do with, uh, yeah, with money, basically. So what is mm -hmm. a powerful woman today now that, you know, after Me Too and many other important movements have brought us many questions. I was wondering what if uh, uh, power is elsewhere? I don't know why, why, am, why am I using right now that word so many times, but basically I came up to to the idea of working in a character, on a fiction character, that was a very uh, proud woman of who she was from an indigenous community that didn't spoke in an hegemonic 
language, not, not Spanish or English, but her own uh, indigenous language. And she was a very powerful woman from language. Like she, well, sorry, I'm, I'm English is not my first language. So right now I'm, I'm no, trying to- You're, <laughs> you're also to speaking- feel- you're also speaking in a way that is similar, at least to how the book was translated into English, which is very like flowy and <laughs> stream of consciousness, like, which I made some notes about too, but it's, and like you said, it raises so many, as many questions, more questions than it answers because there's so many things to think about with these ideas. So keep going. <laughs> well, so yes, I, I was, what, well, in Mexico, there was in the 70s, like this very uh, well-known figure of a witch called Maria Sabina. And she she did a lot of mushrooms and, and it is said that many, you know, pop, uh, pop stars, actors, actresses, like many well-known people came to this very tiny town in Mexico, in Oaxaca, to have these mushroom ceremonies. And it is said that uh, Disney did Fantasia after this mushroom trip and that (laughs) Beatles came to Mexico. And of course, Aldous Huxley came to Mexico and did this trip and wrote uh, the doors of perception after this um, trip. So I think this very, she didn't spoke Spanish and she only spoke Mazatec and, and did this like very um, intimate um, mushroom ceremonies. So that was, that was an, inspira- an inspiration of course, but I was questioning what happens if nowadays with Instagram, Twitter, and this like in this very, uh, fast pace that we live in what happens if they, if if something if if we let's say um, see <laughs> i'm trying to uh, get the word as if i was like beating a piñata or something like you know? <laughs> where's the word is there's it it's somewhere inside that big piñata but i'm trying to say that um Yes, what happens if, if, there's, if power is within us in language and not in money, basically, you know? So what if this character, that was one of my questions, what if this character like exists now? And I didn't want it to stick to, the, to, to history and to this, like the story of Maria Sabina in the 70s. And, you know, although it was at the beginning, uh, I was tempted to, to, to do it like that and to follow her steps and to recreate the 70s, which is a, a decade that I think it's amazing everywhere, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I wanted to, to, to question this from the present, like, again, in Instagram, capitalism, selfie empire, you know, like, likes, um say much about the value of a person and you know all these ideas that have have to do a lot with patriarchy capitalism that and and that are of course related no so what happens 
the, the figure of a witch is very interesting in many, 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 many ways. Because for women, uh, let's say from the patriarchal perspective, us women are of course sexualized and our um, youth is, is valued of over everything else in our culture. So we have to be sexy, we have to be young, we have to be um, successful. I don't know, there's many, many, many ideas around what a woman should be. And of course the idea of beauty and, and the idea of capitalism on how much you earn, how much you make, what do you do and all these things, no? So the, 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 the character of a, of a witch which is in a very interesting essay by Silvia Federici called Caliban and the Witch. Uh, like the idea of a woman who's not in that age, uh, who, who is outside that capitalistic um, forms and mechanisms and, and, it's, and that's even in the margins of, of medicine, which is also a very uh, historically masculinistic and patriarchal. See that, just, just to mention the vaccines now, no? the, our, mm -hmm. our periods were all messed up because the women, the, the woman body is not the, the, the measure, no? It's, it's the male they body. Never they yeah. never considered that yeah like, because they oh, weren't doing it <laughs> oh you know oh but they they happen to menstruate <laughs> but but we I guess I mean we'll talk about that afterwards yeah, we'll yeah figure yeah, that yeah. out afterwards <laughs> yeah but I mean yeah so so medicine is also a very yeah historically it's a masculine uh job or a masculine profession and herbal and all alternative medicine is more related or associated to 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 women, of course. No, like uh, doulas, which is a you know, in many ways there are many many aspects that witches or the idea of, of a witch or a, or a, yeah of of someone who's not in those terms or that's not, not participating in those areas, no? So I found that very interesting. Like, what if there is a super powerful woman that works with language, doesn't care about money, doesn't care about the hegemonic language, and doesn't care about, you know, many things that we are worried about in the cities and, and everything. So she seemed like, yeah, like my superhero, like it's amazing. It's, it's like, a, uh, like a dream, like someone who, who can heal things, think things, see things through language. And, and that's a very powerful, powerful thing because she changes narratives. And I think today in politics, in a very violent context, like it is in Mexico, like changing narratives is a very important thing. So from a political perspective, it was also important for me, like in a very personal way to explore a character that could change that narrative of white 
a white woman working in an office, being super successful, which is of course very important. But also it is important to think uh, being an independent woman and rethinking power from another perspective. So that's basically, yeah, it was a lot of questions from feminism and how to think this and yeah. And also how to have fun because of course I live in a city <laughs> and thinking of Feliciana, who's the main character and this super, I thought like Google in my, imagine, in my imagination when I was doing it, I, I thought like, I want this character to be like the type of character that you just Google and lots of pictures <laughs> come from uh, of her, like in very different situations and like many uh, people who do amazing things go and visit her because there's of course many things that all of us search in language and let's say that like imagine there's someone today that that has a power of language and that that power means whatever you're searching for so it's almost like a marvel character you know like a super powerful <laughs> uh, yeah yeah so something like that i hope yeah, I hope I didn't, um, well, I hope I, I said something coherent. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. And I was just looking because I have a little, um, uh, a passage I was going to read um, and part of that. So in uh, talking about Feliciana in particular, I wanted to uh, to just Google her. And she talks about that too, because she says, you know, people came with their cameras and they, they found me and they took their pictures and there were all these beautiful black and white photos of me smoking a cigarette. And all you see is the lit end of my cigarette. And, uh, and these are the pictures they took back when they sort of made movies about her towards the end of the book and things like that. But I, I hadn't, in all of like the notes I took and the things I thought about, I hadn't used the word power at all, which I thought, which as you started using it, I found interesting because I'm trying to figure out why I didn't use it as much, but I, I did, I feel like I just used other words um, instead of power that still equated or, or brought about the same idea um specifically with like her not speaking either Spanish or English there at first I thought it was a little stubborn um like choosing or making that choice to not engage with the people that were coming to her um but then when you used the word power there's also that power and assurance of knowing who she is and what she's doing. And there's also, um, so I'm going to read two little passages, um, where I wanted to talk about kind of that power of language and language is used with, um, a capital L in the English translation, which I really love. Um, so two things I'll read. One is, uh, Feliciana talking about not, um, charging people or taking money for her services. So she says, no, I don't charge for my service. Someone like me doesn't charge for what they do. 
politicians charge, liars charge, and fools charge double, as my grandfather Cosme used to always say. But you can't put a price in coins on knowledge, and knowing something is the same as seeing, and you don't take money for telling someone what you see, especially not in the service of God. And so I loved, that definitely talks about that sort of capitalistic sense that you tried to remove her from. Um, and people come and they offer her all these kinds of things and she takes them and she says, you know, I still had a family and I had people that I needed to house and feed. So I accepted things from people, but when people came to be healed, healing and knowing the language and being able to see and carry it out to other people, that is beyond coin. That is beyond um, charging people. And that's never what this was about. And there's so much power in that and knowing that you don't need that to do what you are supposed to be doing. Yeah. Well, so first of all, I'm, I'm very happy to, to, to hear you and you're, you're being very generous <laughs> for reading this. Thank you. Um, but well, yes, of course, well, the intention was not to, to, to write the word power. It's, it's more that I was telling you a little bit more about what I was thinking when I was trying to, to figure out what, what was the, like the way to get to that character and to write that, that story. So yes, at the end, of course, uh, it has to do with, with, a with a lot of other things like, I don't know, we thinking the, the story is told by in first person by two characters. No? Feliciana from one in, in one hand <laughs> is telling her own story, you know, like how she grew up in this very tiny town in Mexico that I pictured somewhere in Oaxaca uh, in this fictional space called San Felipe. And well, of course, she, she gets married as a teenager and has children very, very young. And, well, she has her own story. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone uh, can pick up a copy of yeah, Witches exactly. and read Feliciana's <laughs> story. But, well, she, yeah, she doesn't speak, uh, yeah, Spanish or English. Uh, she's a very short person. <laughs> And she's the first woman in a family of curanderos, of healers, but they are all male healers. And she's the first woman to do it. And she happens to be the first one to do it like, you know, a, a, a big thing and something that makes what she does is something that makes a lot of noise everywhere. And most, yeah, more in these times of, you know, uh, social media and everything so she's very very well known I would say she's a famous person also uh, even though she she doesn't care about that and her um, let's say her her magic or her her thing is language she can really see things through her language ceremonies so yes I thought um, Maria Sabina worked with mushrooms and she of, and Feliciana of course works a little bit with herbs and mushrooms and everything but she basically is uh, focused in language and that's her thing no that for me that I write and I, I think 
I mean, I, I am an atheist. I don't go to church, um, but I read and I find in poems many times um, something closer to a prayer, for example, or in a book, something closer to a um, misa, to a, <laughs> a, like when people go to church, no? <laughs> Like I, I find many things in books, many, many answers, many questions. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, will, I, will, I can get very cheesy talking about how much I love books <laughs> and how important books are for me. So, well, so Feliciana working with language, she's, she would, I would say she's almost like a priestess, like, a, like a, yeah, she's, I think, uh, the idea of someone like that is, is amazing. And by the other hand, there's this um, journalist that comes from Mexico City and has a has a baby and a partner and a very traditional family. Um, um, and well, Feliciana's queer uh, auntie. <laughs> That was a he first <laughs> and transitioned to, to a she, uh, which is amazing because in, in before the word queer existed in, in, in Oaxaca, in, uh, in El Istmo, which is a region there, like many, 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 many decades and centuries ago, the word existed existed for naming this queerness, which is mushe. That's a word between, yeah, between genders, <laughs> genders. Uh, so, well, this mushe gets killed, uh, which is a, a problem in Mexico, like femicides is a very, very, very urgent and important problem happening in Mexico where 11 women are killed daily just because you know they are women so this journalist comes to 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 cover the femicide of of the mushe and that's how these two women uh, intertwine their, their stories and have a conversation and and questions like how is violence in a city and in a small town and house and abuse, for example, uh, how is growing up in a family being an, a woman in these two very different spaces? Many of those questions I had when I was um, writing the manuscript and these two characters helped me a lot to, 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 to answer at least in a very modest way that is from fiction, which is not a, you know, you know the, uh, an absolute answer, of course, it's <laughs> the opposite. It's a very personal answer of how these things work and how those, how we grew up, how we grow up with these things, not from in different contexts. And yeah, so sorry, perhaps I, I <laughs> opened this very, very much, but uh, yeah, so these two characters, the journalist and the curandera, helped me to, to, of course, the journalist also works with words and with justi justice. And she, she has, a, of course, a feminist per perspective in the, in the journal where she, the newspaper where she works. So 
these two women working with words with two very different contexts. And um, of course, uh, results of their work. And uh, I think they, they build up a story that at least from my very personal <laughs> perspective of working in the book and working in this story, helped me to answer many of these questions that I had, like how is growing up like this and how can it be in this uh, context and how can it be in this other context uh, from the urban perspective or the rural perspective, no? Like, yeah, all these questions. <laughs> and you mentioned how, like, it, because you're asking and answering those questions in fiction, rather than nonfiction, they, the answers are a little more modest or not as kind of like set in fact, but the, I think the beauty of fiction specifically, and you said that you got to sort of ask and answer yourself those questions while you were writing, but the beauty of fiction and language in that way, and a lot of poetry too, like you mentioned, is that it offers a space for you to ask those questions. It sort of, it sort of creates a safe space um, where things mm -hmm. aren't like make believe or imaginary, but it's a, it's a space where you allow yourself the room to ask hard questions or figure out um, or work through ideas. And that's something that I loved about the way that all of these stories connected to because there was sort of with all the different characters so Feliciana and then Zoe who is uh who is our journalist and then Gaspar Paloma as well um I think I have another passage here because they sort of there's a lineage to all of them with the idea that as women their histories are all connected mm -hmm. as well and the power that whoever came before you has is also yours and once you're able to find it and hold on to it what are you going to do with it and how are you going to tell your story yeah and so let's see there was okay so when uh there's a certain point where Feliciana wants to is looking at Paloma and wants to call her Gaspar mm -hmm. because she's sort of just seen her in a in a certain way and she thinks that that will be a um a compliment or something seeing seeing her at her like her barest level of self um and Paloma tells her like no that's she doesn't get upset but she says like you don't have to call me that that is not who I am I am Paloma and that person is like that tastes bad in my mouth, almost saying that. And uh, so once that sort of happens, um, Feliciana is at a certain point needs uh, Paloma's help and goes to her. And Paloma has sort of like had this shift and or Feliciana is noticing it for the first time that Paloma has changed and now knows who she is. And so Feliciana says, 
But in this emergency, she was the only person who could help me. And she had left the path of healing and nothing could bring her back because she had found her true path. And it wasn't that of the curandero. It was her path as Paloma. And when I saw her there flying, offering joy to the eyes of all who saw her gentle white flapping, like she was, flapped her eyes when she put on her shine. When I saw Paloma flying, I felt more alone in the world than ever before. Yeah. And that I loved that so much because a lot of times when you have a teacher or or someone who has shown you so much even if it's not like a teacher like Paloma was her auntie like you said and was a family member someone close to you who then all of a sudden shifts in a way that you are not shifting it can feel like a grief in some way you can feel extremely alone like that and even though they were closer than ever before kind of coming into their own senses of power and understanding themselves in their own ways because Feliciana felt like it wasn't the same way um, because she had always known Paloma as a healer. She was always a healer. And when she didn't, when Paloma didn't necessarily need that anymore, um, yeah. Feliciana felt so alone. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Thank you for, for reading that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think Heather, the translator, did an amazing yeah work and every time I hear that uh, <laughs> out loud what she did I, I'm always amazed of how she did it um, okay so well I think fiction is is a space for freedom like um, yeah in the most elastic and vast way of of seeing it like I think there that's a space the arts have many spaces, of course, but this is mine. And I think that, yeah, fiction gives you that freedom of going exactly where you want. Well, <laughs> no, you don't go where you want. You sometimes get where your work takes you or, or where that freedom uh, is taking you. It's more about the process than getting somewhere, no? So yeah, actually, actually <laughs> sorry, it might seem that I'm not getting to what you just said, but I'm getting there. No, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's more about the process, no? About thinking, enjoying what you do. <laughs> the other day, someone asked me like, if you're writing about, because still, uh, Paloma is, is, is killed. She, she, that's a femicide someone killed her because, you know, she's a trans woman, a queer woman, a mushe, and that is still something, um, a recipient of violence, of course. And that's the, the thing that brings together Feliciana and, and Zoe, the journalist. But uh, let's say that is, that is one thing and you can, uh, yeah, that, that, that was a fact, but I didn't really know how was I getting there or how or where I was getting to. It was, I think it's always more about the process. So the other day someone asked like, how can you write about this femicide and or femicides? Because I also work in a newspaper and I write about a lot of 
these subjects. Um, and someone asked me, you know, like, how do you keep yourself sane or, uh, or, or how do you write about these things? And, and I realized the other day that it's, it's exactly this, it's more about the process. I really enjoy thinking and it's always, uh, mm, doesn't, how to say this, like, doesn't really matter what, what I'm writing about. I mean, it does matter a lot mm -hmm. with all the respect that that means uh, or implies, but it's more about doing it, what I, what I enjoy and I get, uh, yeah. So writing the whole, this whole process, I'm very, <laughs> I'm really very happy right now talking about this because it's, it was a very um, interesting, compelling, uh, yeah. It was a great process, like thinking all this, feeling all this, <laughs> uh, going through all this, through words, and yeah, in that space of, of total freedom, no? where, where you can really go wherever the story is, is, is taking you or wherever the character wants to go. And yes, I did have like certain points that I wanted to, to think about or certain questions, but again, Sometimes the best questions bring you more questions more than answers, right? So I think stories mm -hmm. also work like that, like more than get, getting you to a place like an like Epiphany or, or an Eureka, you get another question that even, I don't know, like makes you feel even more anguished, you know? like, oh my goodness, now this other biggest question is coming out of this. <laughs> so I think that writing has, has a lot to do with that. And of course, uh, Paloma. Um, so Feliciana is, of course, a very wise woman, and she's an old woman, and she knows everything and knows everything. And of course, it's a serious character, you know, because knowledge has that. <laughs> it's, it's a very, yeah, it's a serious thing, being, <laughs> being like that and having all that knowledge. And so, yeah. She's a wise woman, but I thought like it's like party and the lighter part of life is also important, no? And and laughing and you know sense of humor <clears throat> and everything. So in that way, Paloma was like a counterpart, a very important counterpart in in Feliciana's story. So while Feliciana is you know getting to to deep. Thinks about life and important matters in life. Paloma, I pictured her, of course, all, all, all proportion kept. But I love these Almodovar characters, these queer Almodovar characters that come to come, like they enter the scene and they say something that makes you laugh a lot, and they're so cheerful and lovable and you know light and that very heavy scenes or very heavy uh, stories in that moment, they suddenly lighten up and, and I don't know, he, trans he transforms stories with these characters in a very amazing way, I think. So of course, or of course, all proportion kept. I was thinking of something like this, like with this very serious character, what happens if someone, 
the closest person to, to this uh, curandera is someone who, who's thinking about the party and that all these foreigners coming to Mexico are super handsome and wants to go to bed with everyone and have party and drink mezcal. And what happens in that combination and that chemistry between, you know, their, 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 their own conversation because phrases change as chem chemical, uh, as chemicals, no? When, when one is very light and the other is very deep or very wise or, so what happens there, no? And I wanted to experiment that uh, someone thinking more about the party and, and all the, joys and pleasures of life uh, and all the laughter and and he well he when he's a he and she when she's a she <laughs> when 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 paloma says things to this very dense or very wise moments where feliciana uh, appears so yeah that was in a way and by the other hand in the other story zoe who's a journalist and also, let's say, a, a serious person. <laughs> She's mm -hmm. working in a newspaper and she has a very traditional family, but she also has a sister, a younger sister that has been, well, that is gay and that she has always been, let's say, like a mess. And she burned her high school trash cans when because something unfair was happening there. and. I don't know. She's. I think she also <laughs> um, is an important character in that way. Cause, cause I wanted these two two main characters to have their counterparts that are lighter and that are more. Yeah, let's say um, to the lighter parts and and to the more irrational, the more. <laughs> the funnier and sunnier parts of life let's say so so how do they all these four stories again how do they interact they intertwine what happens if the same situation happens to to both part of the stories and what happens when when these two persons talk about that uh, those things so yeah it, it's it was more like having fun <laughs> with these characters than other things and it's all it all sort of leads to more questions which we said you know like is the and that is sort of what comes out of the structure of the story too having Feliciana tell her story um so the idea of thinking that if someone's telling you their story, you're going to have questions. You mm -hmm. want to engage. Well, if it's if it's told well and if it's written well, which this one is, <laughs> you will you will have questions. You will want to engage with them um, and ask more questions. And the I don't think I also don't think that it would be a um, a spoiler to read the end um a little bit from the end um so once the once Feliciana is sort of um finishing her story finishing telling her story to um Zoe like it is then 
similar to when you're researching or writing stories for the newspaper, you you get to the end of of finding the story and then you write it. Um, and that's sort of similar to the end of Feliciana's story. So I'm going to read a little bit uh, from the end. Tell your story and tell mine, because they are not two stories, but one. This is why I asked you over and over about yours. Say your name or say my name or say both. Your name is mine and they are the same because high and low, we are all the same. It doesn't matter what name you say, yours or mine, because we are all children of the language. We all come from the language and when we die, we return to it. Just like Paloma is here with me every day talking to me the way she talked. She is my language now. She is here with me as I speak to you. She speaks to you through my words. You visited your deep waters and you saw that your deep waters tell you not what your name is, but why your name is yours. They tell you, this voice is yours. Your deep waters tell you, here is where I begin and where the others end, because here is where your language begins, the language that belongs to you and no one else, the one you will now write. Now I got very... <laughs> Emotional, <laughs> excited. <laughs> Thank you for. I know, and I, for I, that. I, I loved that so much because it's, it asks it, it asks a question, but it also offers. It feels like an opportunity, and it's it's Feliciana telling uh, Zoe to now go write the story. This is why I told you the story because now you will write it, and it will it will offer you questions for you to answer. But it very much felt like an opportunity for whoever will be reading this book to go find their own language or find the the language and and let it speak to them and ask it questions and figure out what that story is and that's such a that's such a beautiful opportunity and i really loved uh isn't it that sort of sorry 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 no, go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> not sorry. <laughs> Please finish what you were going to say. I was just going to say again and again that I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I well, hearing this now um, makes me think how beautiful language is. That like, how can how can it be possible? Like, let's say. Um, someone who has died and we loved a lot, you know, like my grandparents, for example, that I really loved. And we, we, I think we have all lost something, no? And, or someone that we really love. And they live in the way we speak and the way we tell stories and how everything, like, I think language is, a, is this very weird, like matrix sort of, you know, multiverse where, <laughs> everything we have been and everything we had said and lived um, is 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 um, takes mat is material sorry like takes it its own presence its own weight through our words no or in our words so um yes like all past present and future <laughs> can 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 be of course in our language and all the people we have met and many of the stories that conform ourselves uh, live there so I think that language is is 
it has its own nature and its own beauty its own beauty you know like it's it's of course like a living thing like something that's of course an extension not only of us but people we have loved people we have lost uh, things we have lost no there's this <laughs> very when I was a teenager, I, I read this Julio Cortázar short story that I really liked. That it's a it's a very simple and yeah anecdote, and it's a very short short story <laughs> about a man who who suddenly loses, uh, loses his his glasses, and he has the need of telling the story of why he lost the sunglasses, the, the sorry, not the sunglasses, the, the glasses, no, to read. Um, and well, so it, it is a very simple anecdote, but I think there's, there's a great um, um, premise there, no? We, we, we always, like language, feels the void of all the things that had happened and every time like something tiny changes our daily life we, we have the need to call someone we love and tell them the story and you know what i lost my glasses oh jesus christ why why this happened again or whatever no so even in the very small things and the bigger things like like we lost let's say i know something uh, or someone no we we have the need of like language language is that also that void and again it's not a void language it has its own weight and its own material <laughs> language being a uh, material itself of course that's the same material that you use in an uber or in a novel or in no apart from the other arts where you use other materials to do the art let's say uh like I don't know, photography, art, music, or or any of the other arts. Uh, literature has this, no? It's it's a daily life material that we use for everything. And again, it's the same material that contains all what we have been and all that we will be also, no? If if we're if we look at closer, <laughs> there's also the the seeds in what we say of many of the things we, we will be. And from a political perspective, of course, that's a narrative also. And what we say and how we name things has to do a lot with how we de deconstruct uh, many things that we need to deconstruct in our societies, no? All this violent practices, racism, patriarchy, uh, many, 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 many of this uh, <clears throat> things that are not concepts, of course, that have um, implications in reality, no? But that's again language, how we, how, we, how we tell a story, how we say things, how we name things, no? So yeah, I think uh, this just made me think about, of course, the beauty, of course, again, the power. <laughs> I don't know why I said this word so many times. I, I don't really, I mean, I'm not obsessed with this. <laughs> it might seem like... <laughs> It's just one of the aspects no, that I think it's important to think about. But again, language, language gives you that very noble opportunity you know, to, to rethink, to change a, even a tra trauma you know, in a very specific point of your life can be changed just with words. 
and I say just because it's as simple as that, no? Like as retelling a story, how we say things, how we name things. I don't know. I am a writer, so <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I'm very focused, of course, on that. But I but I also believe in the mm -hmm. in in the importance that language has from that political perspective and how we tell stories and how we name things. Yeah. And then before we wrap up, I want to ask you what what questions you hope, uh, well, two part, so a two part question. What questions you hope people ask themselves and others um, after reading this book? And then the second question is what, what questions did if there were any, did you, or came to you sort of while you were writing that you didn't really get to answer okay. so that you didn't get to answer in this book or they didn't quite fit, but they're ones that you want to keep thinking about or answering? Oh, wow. Great questions. <laughs> I'm writing them down to have them here present. Uh, okay. Okay, so thank you, Nat. They're, they're very good <laughs> questions. Um, so which questions I would like readers to, to ask themselves? Uh, it is a very difficult question. Uh, I think that actually um, I, I would be more interested in knowing what the questions come to, to someone who reads my book as more as a conversation than, than me sharing something. I think there's, there's, there's more to learn than to say. <laughs> my best friend will tell you that because, that's because I'm a Gemini. I always <laughs> think like that or say things like that. <laughs> Uh, but yes, I think I have more to learn than to, to say. And of course, also writing is a way of learning. And what something that you write says to another person or mirrors in another person, it's something that I'm really curious about. So now that the book is coming out in the States next week, I'm really curious about to know more about this. So actually, yeah, my most my more honest answer would be I, I I'm curious about what you're saying to like I would like to know that and to to be able to have a conversation about those questions of course and the second part of, of the question it's very interesting because um, I would say they 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 are. Um, it's it's tricky because when you close a story or you close a book and it's published already, um, I think that from in my personality, <laughs> I I if I have more questions or 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 a question that that came out while doing that. I, I will write another book uh, or I will write something else. Perhaps I, I don't 
I don't write poetry, but that could be another way of processing something or or writing. I'm I'm now exploring different different forms that I have that I know, like new 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 forms of writing. For me, of course, <laughs> ancient for history, but <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> To explore different different ways of writing so yes when I when I I would say that when I close something I, I close it and and that's it it's like a friend once told me like uh, when we are growing and we you know on the wall when we do these lines as we grow up when we're children and mm -hmm. oh, now I'm this summer I grew up I know this much huh? and it's just, <laughs> like two fingers or something but well I'm a short person you know so in summers <laughs> that was that was the most I, <laughs> I I would accomplish and but yeah I I, I would say as as a friend was we're having this conversation that sometimes books are more like that like well this this tiny mark in the in the wall like oh this this is this is here you know and it's not a matter um, I mean, the metaphor is not much with growing, but with this mark. So what you have been. So I've been this, I've been this book, mm -hmm. I've been this, these words, and that's a mark. And it's so part of life. And and so next mark would be in a different, just in a different space. Doesn't really mean that I'm a bigger or a better person or whatever. I hope I am a better per person, actually. <laughs> uh, not because of books just because of life uh, but yes I, I would say that books are are sort of those marks in life like well so this is it and those questions are somehow uh, answered or open in though in that book but then if others if other questions come or or something else comes up after that that's a different moment and that means that's also a different space for for to explore it yeah so that would be that would be my answer <laughs> a different mark on the wall yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> well I am so excited to continue to see those marks on the wall and see oh, those other so questions uh that you ask because there are so many more that came up while reading this it was such a lovely book and I'm so excited for people to get it. Uh, when this episode comes out, it will be available for them to buy at Skylight Books or on our website. And thank you again to Brenda Lozano for taking the time to chat with me today about her new novel, Witches. Thank you so much, Nat. I'm very, very happy to be here with you at Skylight. Thank you for the invitation to the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon. <laughs>